Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen with the Makers of Minnesota. I am known for suggesting local products and highlighting Minnesota companies through my networks. I utilize my personal assets with stephaniesdish.com and the Makers of Minnesota podcast to help amplify brands. If you'd like to take that experience a little bit further, I would love to help you. The way we can do that is through social media management, where I help you with your Facebook and your Instagram posts. So many of the entrepreneurs that I know just hate doing social media, and I love it. I can also help you with PR, publicity, getting the word out about your products. Maybe you need some recipe development, or maybe you need someone that can help you find some influencers that will actually move the needle on getting your product bought. You can find me at shansenmarketing at gmail.com. That's shansenmarketing at gmail.com. If you want to explore ways to amplify your brand in 2021. everybody and welcome to the makers of Minnesota where we talk to cool people doing cool things and I'm here today with my friend Stina Asland and she is the founder and um, I was gonna call you uh, just you're like the mother of Nordic waffles <laughs> you have uh, brought Nordic waffles from Norway to us And I've had the opportunity of both being a friend and working on your project. And so much has happened since, you know, we first met talking about Nordic waffles. So will you give the listeners and makers of Minnesota just a little backstory about how the waffles got here to Minnesota? Yeah, it's been it's been quite a journey. So (laughs) it all started when I was 21 years old, which is now many many years ago sure <laughs> so i started i had i had a franchise on a gas station uh, in norway and gas stations in norway they sell and make a lot of fresh freshly made foods so that's when i started to make and sell these waffles and i just want to start with like telling the difference of what a Nordic waffle is please, and please. what an American and Belgian waffle is, like how you're used to it. So these waffles are thinner, softer, and they're more like a crepe. And then they're heart-shaped. Um, and the, the the waffle itself has a lot of flavor. So <laughs> And it's kind of like, a, I, I hate, it's like a, sort of like a tortilla in that it's round and sort of yeah. like a wrap in that you can wrap things in it, but also um, more dense and at the same time airy. So like when you first were talking about Nordic waffles and talking about gas stations and making these waffles, you know, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of the quick trip up the street and how they have the girl sausages that roll and yeah, no. like weird. That's so I can't imagine that. But now... Yeah having been to Europe and understanding that it's very much like um, maybe like a Certix almost environment in some of these gas stations where they're cheese shop and it's really robust and people go in to get gas, but they will sit and have a cup of coffee. It's more like a gathering place in a lot of these towns. It totally made sense to me. It really is. And like, if you go to Norway today, if you go to the gas station, they make freshly made sushi. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Give you a picture of, the like the difference so anyway so that's where I that's where I started to make and sell these waffles and then after four years I made more 
money on the waffles than than anything else. Um, and then the other gas station owners, they tried to copy me, but they didn't have success. So then I understood why, and I sold the franchise, and I started the company called Tele Marik Serera, which uh, the business idea was to, or concept was to, to offer gas stations a concept where they could make and sell freshly made waffles. So I uh, had a factory that produced the batter, um, and it was it was ready to to be used. Uh, it was frozen and sold into distributors across the the nation, and then. Um, and then the gas stations would get a waffle maker and buy the batter. And then they would follow sort of like my instructions of what they should put on the waffle and how they should serve them. Yeah, so that company quickly grew. And uh, uh, long story short, after six years, um, we were in, you know, all kinds of food service, hotels, restaurants, amusement parks, ferries. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we had <clears throat> we had uh, seven hundred locations, and you know I really love my country. It is beautiful, but it's really small, <laughs> uh, and it only has five point three million people, um, which it has a limit to how many waffles you can sell. <laughs> sure. sure. Yes. And you had bigger plans. I did. <laughs> so that's where I, you know, I looked to America and, you know, I, I came here for vacations and I, you know, travel around the country and, you know, I was really searching for my waffles. So, you know, those heart shaped, the, the waffles that I make, but I couldn't really find them. I found them in some like Scandinavian churches and you know, yeah. but not mainstream. But what I did find was six stores of Eggles in the grocery stores. And I was like, okay, this is a, this is a waffle nation. And, and maybe they would appreciate some, some different flavors. And yeah, so <laughs> I sold my company in Norway and I put everything that I had um, in storage and left Norway with two suitcases and came here in 2015. Can I ask you about that? Because we hear a lot about the immigrant experience, and I think it mm-hmm. means lots of different things to different people. How hard was it to come here and as a woman, as an immigrant, and yeah. start a business? I mean, were people, were you trying to get business loans, or did you have any concept of how hard it would be to get started? Yeah, since I think it's since it was, you know, I've had businesses before, I had an idea of what I needed to do. Um, I did have a saving. So, you know, from when I sold my company, I had, I had some money to get started and for me to last for at least a year or two, just for my own sake. Um, But no, I, the only thing that I knew was that I have heard, I had heard that America were more open for in with investors than 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 my country. So in my country, in Norway, a lot of the funding comes from the government, and there are pros and cons with that. Yep. <laughs> um, so, you know, when I came here, I really 
I was just looking, searching for good people. That's that's how I, you know. And you, yes, you do meet bad people that look like they're good people. So you have to be able to <laughs> to to see what their intentions are. So I was, I was, I was lucky to meet really good people that really helped me. And I could never be where I am today without the help of all the people that I have met along my way that has unselfishly just offered their time and, you know, really, really helped me. Yeah. I love hearing about when we first met, you talked to me about uh, that you met someone that was affiliated with Norway house. And, you know, having kind of peripherally been to Norway house and, you know, they they do the gingerbread houses every season. I didn't really realize that. I mean, it sounds stupid, but that they were really there to help the immigrants that are from Norway and that they want to propel their heritage and help people provide. uh, They, they provided expertise. They provided help. I just, I love that that happened for you. Yeah, and I I didn't know that either. So it was kind of a, you know it was a coincidence. I I was driving past that blue building and it said Norway House, and I was like, okay, I I need to check this out. So I stopped my car and I, you know, I, I walked up the stairs, and then on top of the stairs was, was John Peterson, uh, who was the chairman of of <laughs> of the Norway House, and he just looked at me and he said he said in Norwegian, "What brings you here, beautiful woman?" And I said, the Norwegian waffles, waffles. And he just, he just took me into one of the offices and he listened to me for like an hour, I think. And then he put his Norwegian sweater on and the hat. He kind of looks like the king, you know, so I trusted him. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) He put me in his car and then he just drove me around to, you know, all these different uh, uh, Norwegian, you know, the 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 consulate, uh, the Ingebrigtsens, that you know, and he he called a bunch of people, and yeah, I you know he he became a very very special person for me. Unfortunately, he passed a couple of years ago, but yeah, he's uh, he was he was he was just he was fantastic, and I mean that's what met me when I came here was this huge community of Norwegian Americans that just, you know, they, 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 they didn't know what good they could do for me. And they really, they really helped. Yeah. And so you, you started um, making waffles and you went to the state fair. And I mean, that whole story is just a crazy town how many waffles were made, the waffle carousel, um, just literally having like an entire staff of people to go from your small company of just a couple people to, you know, this large company. Along the way, mm-hmm. you met your husband, uh, Luis, who yeah. uh, also <laughs> is uh, one of the uh, chefs that is instrumental in helping develop waffles and uh, waffle flavors. So you have the state fair, then potluck comes along. I'm sort of zooming along and potluck is an opportunity for you to have a concept. uh, I don't want to say fast food, fast casual concept to see kind of if you can launch it in that regard. And you've had sort of all these iterations and we're really having a ton of momentum. 
and then coronavirus happened. So can you tell me how that felt on March 17th when you were told as a restaurateur that you could no longer be open and that you became aware, I know you were aware early on that the state fair was like, ooh, this could be a real dicey situation and not happen. Yeah. You know, Stephanie, we, just to get, just a short overview of what Nordic Waffles is, we have four divisions. We have three, we, before COVID, we had three divisions of our company. It was, you know, the food service program that we have in 10 states with coffee shops and, you know, restaurants and amusement parks and so forth. And then we have Stay Fair. And then we have the potluck, the retail location. So <clears throat> when this happened in March, you know, it was it was like a knife that got stubbed into your heart. You know, the, like ev- everything shut down. We, we lost 80% of our revenue overnight almost. And, you know, our whole team got furloughed. But I, I think what happened was, you know, it, even in the darkest hours, there, you know, there are hope, there are opportunities. So the, the team came together and we really, you know, we, we brainstormed and we like, how, how are we going to survive? How are, you know, because, you know, for me, for me, for me with, with the team, it's, you know, you provide for families. It's, it's so much more than just, just a job. You know, it's, it's, it really hurts me to not be able to, to provide jobs for them. If, if yeah. you understand, if that makes sense. I really but understand um, that because as a business owner myself prior, you know, I just remember the decision of having healthcare or not. And we just decided right away, well, of course we're going to offer healthcare you know, will that mean that we make less as a company and less as individuals? Of course it will, but what kind of company and what kind of people do we want to be? And you do think about, you know, a lot of the kids that worked for me started out as like right out of college and 10 years later, they're having babies and getting married and buying homes. Mm -hmm. When I think back on the success of my business, those are the things I think about first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's your family, you know, they, they yeah. do become your family. So you so had talked about grocery, but it really wasn't going. So no. how did you decide like, okay, now we got to get this grocery product out there? So we, we thought, okay, where are people? People are emptying all the shelves at the Hoarding grocery store. Hoarding toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> I think people still have toilet paper till 2030 or something. <laughs> Anyways, so, you know, we were like, how, what can we do in the grocery stores? And then we took the idea of our best-selling waffle, which is the all-day breakfast. It's just, it's a, it's an egg, it's bacon, and it's cheddar. And we took that one and we said, what if we freeze it and we put it in a package and we sell it at the grocery stores? So we did. It took six weeks <laughs> from that idea till we had the first PO from Lunds and Barley's. It was tr- it was amazing. I and I don't even I don't even know how we pulled it off. We we flipped that potluck location into a manufacturing site. We got approval from you know Minnesota Department of, of Ag and Health, and you know Rosedale Center was incredible. And in, um, you know helping and supporting us 
So we were producing waffles uh, like maniacs uh, in 13 and 14 hour shifts and, and just made it happen. And, and then in, in May we launched with, um, with all the lungs and barleys and our biggest problem became to keep them stocked because the products was just flying off the shelves and it, it, it was, it was just, you know, it was a, it was our Phoenix moment. You know, it has just continued to, to grow. So the whole team, we were able to take the whole team back from furlough and really it's becoming the biggest thing in Nordic waffles, our frozen division. So now we have four divisions um, and we are, we let, when we exited 2020, we were in 160 stores in Minnesota. And this week we launched in North Dakota. So it's growing and it's, it's super fun. We have also launched a second skew um, to the groceries, which is still an all day breakfast, but it's not with bacon. It's with sausage. I loved it. So, so we're not producing in the potluck location anymore. <laughs> I was going to ask, did you end up, now you must be at a co-packer at this point. Yeah. We, yeah. We have a co-packager. So yeah. Um, the sausage, I had the sausage breakfast all day waffle, um, all day breakfast waffle. And it was funny, you know, I like the packaging cause it's clear. You can really like see the product and it looks homemade, but not like, it's not, I'm trying to think of what the word is. It doesn't look mass produced like an, a, an eggo waffle does where it's all perfectly edged. You know, it looks like your product except that it's frozen. Yeah. So when we put that in the microwave and we heated it up, I was sort of like, oh, this isn't going to be that great because it's just going to be soggy. But it really was good. We were really, mm-hmm. I, Stephanie March and I tried it on the air together. And she's she's much harder to please than I am. You know, like she's more yeah. of a <laughs> restaurant foodie person and I'm sort of like the home cook. So, And I really liked it and she liked it too. So that both of us liked it. I was like, oh, they got a winner on their hands here. Um, Do you anticipate still growing in all four channels or will you maybe try to focus on one or two channels as things start to open back up again? I mean, does it still make sense to be looking at creating retail uh, counter service locations when possibly it makes more profit or more sense to just go with the frozen route? Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, we, we will, everything is, you know, open. If we get contacted by food service accounts, we, we can offer them a program. I think our our focus right now, because also since 2021, it's still unpredictable. You know, I kind of wanted to to wake up January 1st and and be like, yes, this is a new year. Everything has changed. But no, I'm still wearing a mask. Um, uh, In Norway, do they have the vaccine? And are they vaccinating people at a faster rate? Because don't they have like a state run healthcare there? Yeah. They are also having challenges with with the vaccination, um, but it's rolling. They have been vaccinating, um, yeah. So, are you feeling bullish on the state fair this year? So the state fair is um, 
I hope and I pray and I, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I, in 2020, I, I didn't know how much I love the fair before we weren't there. Yeah. You know, it was, and I was, I, I was like, sincerely, it, it, it hurted my heart so bad to not be there. It's so much fun. And it's just, you know, it's crazy. It's, it's, you know, you, you've, you've been there, you see our lines, you know, we are at max capacity. We have our lines is like four, 500 deep sometimes with people, but we, it's just, you know, we love people. We love the people of the fair. We, it's just so unique. So I really hope that it's going to happen this year, but you know, if it doesn't, that's the right thing to do. You know, I, I trust the, the fair board to do the right to take the right decision but you know a girl can dream right (laughs) yeah and I I know that you have some really great ideas for ideas for the fair and products for the fair and expansion opportunities at the fair so I just I hope that for you that that does come together um it since we met when we first met you were pregnant and now you have two kids is yep. it, what is it like, and this is just kind of a personal question, but you have two kids and you're also married to one of the partners in your business. So what does it feel like to work with your spouse? Because a lot of entrepreneurs do that. I worked with my spouse and we said we'd never do it again. And then like we did, we've done it twice. Yeah. Is it, do you like have really set boundaries about like, this is the work day, this is the home life. How do you manage all that? We do try to be diligent about taking breaks at home, but you know, it's when business, you you know, as a business owner, it just, you know, business can happen all times of the day. And yeah, so it's really, I find it, it was very challenging in the beginning. It was several times I wanted to murder him. <laughs> I hear you. Yep. <laughs> and I think he felt that I know he felt the same way. Um, but you know, we just we just have to work through um those things and and it's really it is it all comes down to how good you are at communicating and you know expectations and you know if if you if you can't communicate then then everything goes to hell. Like so it just needs to it just needs to be very a very honest and transparent um, communication. And I, I find it now. I find it, it's somebody that I can always trust, right? And it's um, and it's somebody that, you know, when when you are an entrepreneur, previous in my previous life before I met him, it was always a challenge to to have a partner that understood really who I was because. I'm a person who can get up at 4 a.m. in the morning because I have a, some sort of a crazy idea that I just have to run with. And and I can, my mind just takes off sometimes. Um, and, you know, it, it, it was, it was hard to find a person who, who would accept it and truly let me be who I am. But Luis does. So I am, I'm very grateful for, for that. I was not so good at 
separating the marriage behavior and patterns from the work patterns and behaviors. Um, it's totally on me, but you know, you would never treat your coworker the way you would sometimes treat your spouse, which is a terrible thing to say, but I think an <laughs> honest thing to say, like, yeah, <laughs> I would lash out at my spouse or say mean things or get angry and storm off. And like, I would never do that in a coworker environment. Yeah. So I really had to check myself and it wasn't an easy process. And I still think about that sometimes when I'm really just frustrated with him or angry. I think yeah. like, oh, don't go back there. Like you can, it is communication and I'm not great at it, which mm-hmm. seems weird because I'm a communicator, but it's harder when it's your spouse. So even now, like I, we were just trying to decide on a couch the other day because we bought a new house and we're buying furniture and my husband has yeah. a real strong opinion about lots of things. And of course I do too. And that's why I love him, but it's very irritating at times when, (laughs) you know, you just can't do what you want. Like, why can't I just get this one? This is the one I want. I've told you, this is the one I want. It's the one that's going to look the best. And he's like, no, because that's not what I want. And I just want to have a tantrum. And I think back to those business (laughs) days of like, well, you can't have that tantrum. You have, this is a partnership. You have to be an adult. Yeah. You have to act in a way that's respectful for everyone, unless, of course, maybe you're the president of the United States or somebody else. But yeah. that's a whole nother story. Because <laughs> we just come off the darkest day of our history. But, you know. One more thing about, because I'm I'm not the CEO of the company. That's, that's Jeremy. So Luis and I also have very different roles. And he reports to Jeremy, not to me. And I think that is also... That's a, uh, has avoided a lot of conflict. Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and I think those distinct roles, when we had our business, you know, Kurt was really marketing and operations. I was sales. And then our business partner was sort of the admin side. So mm-hmm. again, I think knowing your lane and respecting yeah. the person in their lane, right? Yeah. Yeah. How do you anticipate like marketing at grocery is really different than marketing at the state fair or marketing a fast casual restaurant? Have you thought about like how to roll out and support the in-store grocery experience with the waffles from a marketing perspective? Yeah, I think, you know, for us, it since the waffle also is so different, it's important for us to, to tell the story of what this is and how it came to life. So we continue to to have a strong focus on our social media and and then also as we expand to interact with local media so that we can we can tell our story and that's really our uh, main marketing plan we um, we have uh, uh, some some hairy goals for 2021 in in terms of expansion and i you know, it's always it's always been a goal for Nordic Waffles to become a national player. So we're gonna strive to to conquer the the the, the United States of America with the, this uh, waffle. <laughs> I love it. Well, yes. and it would be really fun irony for our favorite Norwegian immigrant to come and take the United States by storm with a product that you developed based on your experience in your country. So I love that story. Thank you for being with us today, Sina. It's great to see you again. It's great to talk to you. Great to catch up. You've done a lot of great work and fingers crossed we get to the state fair, right? 
Yes. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Congratulations on your success. Say hi to Luis and we'll talk soon. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. 